I'm going to turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. I know we've heard these stories time and again every Christmas, but I really would encourage you to think about it and not just think, oh, well, I've heard all this before, I know it. I mean, for example, the angel came to Mary. Angel Gabriel came to Mary. Can anyone begin to imagine what was going through Mary's head when an angel came to her? Has anyone here had that experience? I doubt it. Can anyone even begin to imagine what must have been going through her mind as the angel said to her, that she would conceive and give birth to a son. She shall call his name Jesus. He shall be called the Son of the Highest, the Son of God. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. I wouldn't be surprised to learn that Mary was not even able to think beyond the first part of that announcement that she was going to conceive and give birth. After all, how could she conceive and give birth when she was a virgin? And yet an angel came to her and told her all those things that would happen. Not surprisingly, in verse 34, Mary said to the angel, How shall this be? seeing I know not a man. But then, as the angel said in verse 37, with God, nothing shall be impossible. In verse 35, Gabriel told Mary that the conception of baby Jesus would result from a miraculous intervention of God the Holy Spirit. You know what, even with that explanation, look at it there again in verse 35. The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Oh, well, thank you, um, Mr. Angel. Now it makes perfect sense to me. I very much doubt it did. I very much doubt that she understood much at all, other than that the conception of the baby would be a miracle of God. I most certainly don't claim to understand the details either. I've heard various explanations from people trying to explain that verse, and I just think, where are you you getting all that from? It's not for nothing that in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, the Apostle Paul said, great is the mystery of godliness. It's a mystery that God was manifest in the flesh. We know that it's an intervention of the Holy Spirit, a miraculous conception There are people who reject the virgin birth on the grounds that it defies all natural laws, which of course it does. I was once in the house of an old lady here in Peel, 
she's now died and I got round to asking her about the Lord Jesus Christ. Ultimately, that's why I was in her house. I was there for other reasons, but primarily it was to reach her with the gospel of Christ. However, the conversation did not progress beyond that old lady dismissing the virgin birth as a fairy tale, a ridiculous fairy tale. And with that, she then dismissed Jesus as a fairy tale. All I'll say to that is that the Bible tells us very clearly that everyone will stand before the judgment seat of who? Christ. He most certainly is not a fairy tale. Earlier on in Luke chapter 1, I didn't read it this morning, but at the, towards the beginning of the chapter, a priest by the name of Zacharias received a visit from Gabriel. And Gabriel, the, the angel, told him that his wife, Zacharias' wife Elizabeth, would conceive and bring forth a child. Both Zacharias and Elizabeth were old and Elizabeth was barren. She was unable to bear children. Therefore, Zacharias did not believe what the angel said to him. He didn't believe it was possible. He didn't, he didn't seem to realise, although he was a priest of the Most High God, he didn't seem to understand verse 37, for God With God nothing shall be impossible. And because of his unbelief, he was struck dumb until his baby was born. And his baby was John the Baptist. The one who went on to herald the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into his ministry when John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Coming back to the Virgin Mary and what she was told by Gabriel, although she didn't understand, unlike Zacharias, she believed. She didn't, she didn't understand, but she believed. As she said to the angel in verse 38, be it under me, unto me according to thy word. And that's how it is. We don't always understand things. I've talked about this recently, in fact. When you were at school, in a maths lesson, maybe you didn't understand. You didn't didn't think the maths teacher was telling lies or anything. You just didn't understand how he or she arrived at that answer. You got lost somewhere after the beginning, soon after the beginning, perhaps. And so you or some other brave person puts your hand up and says, I, I really didn't understand that. You're not, you're not saying that you, that you don't believe that's the answer. You just don't understand. Well, Mary didn't understand, but she believed. That's a very good way to believe, be, isn't it? There's a lot in the Bible that we don't necessarily understand but we ought to believe. And this is one of them. The Lord Jesus Christ being born of a virgin, conceived and brought forth by a virgin. Just remember that with God, all things are possible. 
Not only was the Virgin Mary told by the angel that she was going to conceive and give birth to a son, but also she was was told that she shall call him Jesus, the Son of the Highest. That was not the result of God looking in a book of baby names and liking the name Jesus. The name Jesus is a transliteration of the Hebrew Joshua, which means Jehovah is salvation, or the Lord is salvation. This becomes much clearer in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, where the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said to him, Joseph, thou son of David, Fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That's why he was given the name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. As the name Jesus implies, the reason that the Son of the Highest came into the world was to save sinners. Who are the sinners? All have sinned. All come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous. No, not one. I'm not just talking about in here in this little church gathering, but everywhere in the world. None righteous, no, not one. However, there is a righteousness that is revealed in the gospel. It is not a worthless self-righteousness, but rather it is the righteousness of God, which is by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, whom God has sent into the world and set forth to be the propitiation for our sins. That's a fancy word, isn't it? The propitiation for our sins. And what that means is that God sent forth his son into the world, conceived and brought forth by a virgin to appease the righteous and holy anger of God to take away our sins and to appease the wrath of God. What anger could this possibly be, you may ask? Well, for one thing, John chapter 3, verse 36, the last verse of John chapter 3, tells us that the wrath of God abides on all who do not receive and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a righteous, wholly justifiable anger because God is a sin-hating God. And the fact is, we live in a world, you must be able to see it yourself, it's a world that is in rebellion against God from the least to the greatest. And we don't just stand back and point our finger at this world and say, what a terrible world I live in. 
We are part of the problem, every one of us. And the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, to take away the wrath of an angry God for those he came to save. Jesus appeased the holy and righteous anger of God when he paid the debt of sin with his own precious blood. He did that having lived a sinlessly perfect life of obedience. Again, this is something that you and I have not done. And we claim that for ourselves when we trust in Jesus. That perfect obedience to God's law. As well as having our sins atoned for at the cross. I don't know about you, but just as I do not understand the details of how all the fullness of God was manifest in a tiny baby. We've got a little baby in here today. That lovely little boy, Dainton, who I'm sure you're keen to become better acquainted with later on. But in a little baby dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead. Again, is that something you understand? Can you explain that one to me? I don't understand it, but I believe it. God was manifest in the flesh. It is a mystery. I'm still trying, after 28 years of being a Christian, to understand the great love of God for hell-deserving sinners like me, like you, that resulted in him sending his only begotten son into the world and laying upon him the sins of all, all whom God have chosen before the foundation of the world for salvation and who would inevitably trust in Jesus as their saviour in the fullness of time. As the hymn writer said, Oh, make me understand it. Help me to take it in what it meant to thee, the Holy One, to bear away my sin. God manifest in the flesh and that same God bearing in his own body the sins of all who would trust in him. Finally, verse 32 and verse 33, let's have a look at those verses again. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Those verses speak of a, an everlasting kingdom which is a fulfilment of various Old Testament prophecies. One of them being Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 and 7 spoken by Isaiah the prophet over 700 years before the Virgin Mary conceived and gave birth to baby Jesus. And this is what he said. This is what is written in Isaiah chapter 9, 
verse 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The, the child is born, but the son is not born. The son is given by God, sent into the world. The baby, the baby that was born, God was, it was God manifest in the flesh. Who is that God? The eternal son of God who came into this world. And so it is that for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David, and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this, an absolute certainty. With respect to the humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ, he is a descendant of David and he is from the tribe of Judah of Israel. However, the kingdom of Jesus, which is forever, is to be understood as being a spiritual kingdom. For example, when the Roman governor asked Jesus if he was the king of the Jews, Jesus replied, my kingdom is not of this world. The good news is that day by day, God is delivering people who are held captive to sin. He is delivering them out of darkness, out of the devil's dark domain, and he is transferring them into the everlasting kingdom of his dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't let this Christmas be nothing more than excessive eating. Enjoy the food, by, by the way, but don't let it be all about food or presents or even family time, as good as that is. God is merciful, therefore repent if you haven't already done so. Believe in King Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and know him as your Saviour from sin and as your Lord. Amen.